3: Listening to the radio. It's different. Our lives are ruined
0: already. The Whistler.
4: self-destruct in five seconds. Hello, everyone.
5: I'm Carl Amari, and this is Hollywood 360, the radio show that presents the best in classic radio. This hour on Hollywood 360, John Daner stars as the man called Paladin on Have Gun Will Travel from 1959. Then Marie Wilson stars in Part 1. Of a comedy episode of My Friend Irma from 1948. With me to help present these radio classics is my co host with the most, Lisa Wolf. What's up, Lisa? Hi, Carl. Hey, what's happening in Hollywood? Well, I have some bad news for you. Oh, wow. Okay,
6: the bad news is that you were not named Sexiest Man Alive by People magazine for this year. What? I know you were hoping for it, and I really was too. No, they told me I had it. They I called know. me. Do you know who was?
5: Um, it's a country guy. The it guy is. from The Voice? Yeah. What's his name? Come on. Buck Shelton or Blake. something? Blake. Blake. <laughs> Just
6: one letter off. <laughs> one letter Just off. Just
5: one letter off. It's
6: Blake Shelton, but here's the thing. Yeah. You guys are about the same height. Yeah. He's six feet five inches. Okay. So you're about the same I'm height. I'm four. Right. So you're close. He's 41. You're 38. I'm, so I'm, you're really close in yeah. age. So you, it could have been you. <sighs> I'm so sorry. Why would they
5: call me, tell me I had it, and then... I don't know. Pull it and like a rug thing. right underneath he's my feet. He's got a rock
6: star girlfriend too, and so and
5: I don't. You don't. So <laughs> so, so he's got it all going on. He's I mean, got
6: it all going man, on. And
5: I'm all of a sudden very depressed.
6: I'm so. I told Gosh. you it was really unfortunate. Comparing
5: news. my life to uh, Buck Shelton. To Buck Shelton. <laughs> it's is really not, not good. good. No. But you're and tall and young. <laughs> you're
6: tall and you're young. Yeah. And here's the exciting part. Blake there's, Shelton. So there's more news. Yeah. There are only two musicians to make this long-running list. It's Blake Shelton. Yeah. And do you know who it is? Mm. We talked about it last year because it's the other guy, as you call it, the other judge on The Voice. Ah. Adam Levine. Oh, he was? Yeah, he yeah. was last year's. I'm and way, both taller on the Voice. Him, way taller than him. I'm
5: way taller than him. I think him. the
6: key is to be a judge on The Voice, and yeah. then you get chosen by People Magazine. Well, same,
5: congratulations. So. I guess I came in second. But I was you know runner-up. Good luck on next year. You know what they folks. say. Always a bridesmaid, never a bride. That's you. No. All right. Well, thanks, Lisa. Sure. So sorry. What are you going to do? All right. Well, you know what? Something really fun. Have Gun, Will Travel. Good Western adventure going back to uh, 1959. Radio was still going strong. I mean, not as well as it was in 1949, but there were still dramas on the radio like Have Gun, Will Travel and Suspense and some other great shows as well. And this one is from April 26, 1959. It's called The Gunsmith. It stars John Daner as Paladin. Here's Have Gun, Will Travel.
4: If killers laugh at the law in a town, it isn't long before they take over. That's happening in your town, mister. What are you going to do about it? Have Gun, Will Travel. Starring Mr. John Daner as Paladin San Francisco 1875 The Carlton Hotel Headquarters of a man called Paladin
7: Mr. Paladin Oh, good afternoon, Mr. Panadi.
4: Well, you're looking very pleased with yourself, hey boy. Oh, well, a biggie wedding will happen. Wedding? Whose wedding? Not yours. <laughs> no, 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 no. Cousin to hey boy. Oh, who's... I saw a Chinese wedding. Many people, much is celebrating. Well, that's fine. I'd say, by the way you're acting, that this doesn't happen too often,
7: huh? Oh, no, 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 Mr. Paladin. does not happen often. Oh, hey, boy, very happy. Uh, Make uh, many preparations. Everybody have a good time. You will come to wedding?
4: Hey, boy, if I'm in San Francisco, I guarantee I'll be there. Yes, sir. You just let me know when and where.
7: Oh, very good. Yes, sir. Hey, boy, let you know. Uh, I go now. No, no, wait. Wait a minute.
4: Didn't you want to see me about something?
7: Oh, yes, sir. Almost forgot. The telegram come for you.
4: Oh. Yes. Well, let's see. Are
7: you sending answer?
4: Yes. Tell him, have gun, will travel. The telegram took me to a town near the Nevada border. And when I got there, my job was completed swiftly, without bullets. I collected my fee and started the long ride back to San Francisco. The third day brought me to a town called Woodland nestled in the foothills of the Sierra Nevada Range. It was like a thousand other towns, one dusty street with boardwalks on each side, flanked by rows of wooden false-fronted buildings and the inevitable saloon and general store. I decided I might as well get some supplies. Hello? Anybody here? Help me. Please. Oh, well, here. Let me help you up. Get you to a chair. Oh,
7: easy. Easy, easy now. Uh, there. Please, a doctor. I need a doctor.
4: What happened, old man? Who did this to you? Get the doctor, please. Where is he?
7: And off the street A white house A white house
4: I'll get him and be right back For three days the little old man hovered near death I found out his name was Hans Riker And that he owned the store I also found out he was alone And needed help So I decided to stay on On the fourth day the doctor said Hans was going to be all right And by the end of the week he was beginning to move around
7: Give me a cup. I pour you some more coffee.
4: Thank you, sir. Well, good to see you up and around, Mr. Riker. You better take it easy. Remember what the doctor said.
7: What does the doctor
4: know?
7: She asked him, is a man going to live or die? And he will tell you he doesn't know, so right? the man lives or he dies, either way, the doctor can say he <laughs> was right.
4: <laughs> well, just the same, you're not as strong as you may think you are.
7: Yeah, that is true. I am not strong, but I, I would not be here at all if it were not for a man named paladin.
4: Ah, uh, I did nothing, Mr. Riker.
7: Well, uh, that, of course, is nonsense, and, and I want you to know that an old man is grateful. Well... I did only what anyone would do. Ah, Well, perhaps I am more cynical than you. (laughs)
4: Perhaps you are. Mr. Riker. Will you tell me now who did this to you?
7: That is not important. Not now.
4: It is to me. Who beat
7: you? Why? (gasps) I'll show you something now, my friend. Show you something only a few people have seen. It is what is in this box that causes my fear. Ah, you will open it, please. Oh, beautiful! Ah, take it out. Look at it closely. Well, that's wonderful craftsmanship. It's wonderful. Ah, it's a good gun, yeah. It
4: certainly is. The balance is perfect. It's just perfect. Where would you get this gun, Mr. Riker?
7: Ah, you see me now as a storekeeper, Mr. Palatine. But in the whole country, in Germany, I was a gunsmith and a very good gunsmith. You made this gun? Yeah, yeah. I have made many hundreds of guns in my lifetime. And to the one you hold, I crafted a mate. A uh, twin? Yeah, 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 a twin. You spoke of a fear, Mr. Riker. What Fear. Well, to a lifelong friend I gave the twin weapon, crafted by my own hands, and it killed him. It exploded the first time he shot it. There was a a floor somewhere that I did not see, and my friend died.
4: Well, you shouldn't blame yourself for that.
7: Uh, The day my friend died, I swore never to make another gun, Mr. Paladin, and I have not. No, I sold my guns, all of them but the one that you hold, and came to America. I see. Then, two weeks ago, a gunfighter was called Link Doby rode into town, and he found something he wanted here. A gun.
4: This gun? Yeah, that gun. Well, how did he know about it?
7: Well, one of my friends I have showed it to, he was drinking too much, and he talked loudly. And then at first, this link, Doby was was nice. He asked me to sell the gun to him, but I couldn't do that. Oh. Then what? And then he went back to the saloon and drank, and then he came back again and asked me, and then, when I still said no, he beat me. Why didn't you just give
4: the gun to Dobie, Mr. Riker? You said yourself it's defective.
7: Nein, nein. I said the twin to the gun has a flaw, but this, this gun here, it is perfect. What about the law here? Mm, sheriff King, he is like me, he's old, and a man like Dobie, a gunfighter, the sheriff cannot stop him. No, Everybody here, they are afraid of Dobie. Mm. I think I'll talk to Sheriff King. Nein, nein. Yeah, you have done enough, my friend. Please, do do not concern yourself with this. I will give Dobie the gun. No, don't do that.
4: Not yet. First, let me see what I can do. The sheriff's office sat defiantly alone in Woodland, faded and old, like the man in it, who sat with his feet propped on the desktop that had been scarred by too many years. And he looked at me with pale blue eyes, dimmed and defeated by age.
8: So, that old fool
4: went and hired a gunslinger, eh? No, no, Sheriff. Mr. Riker didn't hire anybody. I'm here on my own.
8: Well, now, why don't you just turn around and leave on your own? I'll leave when I find out what's going to be done about this. What's done's my business, mister, not yours. I'm making it mine. Now, what are you going to do? What do you expect me to do? Get dopey. Now, you listen to me, Mr. Paladin. Things was all right here till you come in. We ain't had no trouble. You say you had no trouble, Sheriff.
4: Well, maybe not. But you don't know what trouble is until a man like Link Dopey laughs at your law. And he's going to keep right on laughing until he gets sick of it. And then he's going to start shooting. Maybe one of the people he kills will be a tired old sheriff.
8: Now, wait a minute. And then
4: he'll leave your town, Sheriff. And he'll only be the first. There'll be others, dozens of them. Because this will be the town they know they can buffalo.
8: Come over to the window, Paladin. You see that street? It ain't much, but it used to be. Just a few years ago, there wasn't a man or woman walked down that street. Didn't have a lot of respect for me. And then all of a sudden, the gunfighters found out I was old. Couldn't handle a gun no more. They started coming, and I was afraid to stop them. Sheriff, the man that says he isn't afraid is either a liar or a fool. Thanks, Paladin. But there ain't nothing I can do. Not no more. All right, Sheriff. Then I'll handle it.
4: Dobie will be leaving town tomorrow, one way or another. I'm looking for a man called Link Doby. Is he here? I'm Doby. My name is Paladin.
0: Well, what you got to say to me, mister?
4: A few days ago, you beat an old man, Doby. You beat him, and you told him you were going to kill him if he didn't give you a certain gun. that's none of your affair. That's between old man Riker and me. Not anymore, Dobie. I represent Mr. Riker. And you're going to have to kill me to get that gun you're after.
9: <laughs>
0: Look here, I got no cause to let no shoot out you.
4: If I haven't given you cause yet, Mr. Dobie, maybe this will...
1: Be. <laughs>
0: You. <laughs> oh.
4: Oh. Now you have caused Dobie. But I'm going to let you off. I'm going to let you leave town. Tomorrow morning by 8 o'clock. That's how much time you have to get out. Tomorrow morning. 8 o'clock. I had breakfast with Hans Reicher the next morning, which was quite an experience. Hans called it Gabel Frühstück, or a knife-and-fork breakfast. It consisted of eggs, bacon, sausage, hot rolls, soup, and potatoes. It was a good start for any day.
7: You do not eat, Mr. Paladin. It is the German way of cooking you do not like. It's <laughs> yeah? a
4: German way of cooking I do like,
7: but
4: <laughs> there's a limit to what a man's stomach will hold.
7: Ah, but you do not eat much. Already I have eaten more than you, and you are young. You should eat more than me. I think perhaps it is the trouble with Lindt Doby. Mm. I cannot stop you from doing this thing, my friend.
4: Oh, I don't think there will be any showdown. Doby is brave when he knows he can win. I doubt that he's in town now. But I better make certain. You stay here, Mr. Riker. I'll check the livery stable to be sure he's gone. Doby's horse wasn't at the livery stable. But just to be sure he'd left town, I went to the hotel. The clerk told me Doby had checked out at seven o'clock that morning. I headed back for Hunts Riker's. Arrigan. Huh?
8: Aladdin. Oh. Doby, I seen him. Where's Sheriff? Where'd you see him? I was just coming out of my office. I seen him sneaking to Riker's place. Riker? Come on.
4: Mr. Riker? Mr. Riker? Mr. Riker, where is he? The gun. Where's Doby?
7: The back, I back. he has the gun.
4: Sheriff, get the doctor. I'm going after Doby.
0: Hold it, Fanny. Don't you even breathe. Now, you do exactly what I tell you. Put that gun in your holster. Real easy, like, don't move fast or you're dead. That's the way. Now you turn around. Now, you're looking me in the face, Paladin. And you're gonna die. Talking so big make me dirt in front of all them people. You ain't so big now. Just about my size. That's the way I like it.
4: You should like it. Hiding there, showing on your face... The gun you stole. You
0: better draw, Paladin. Cause you ain't never gonna get another chance.
1: Now!
4: Dobie? Paladin! Yeah, over here, Sheriff.
8: I, I heard the shot. What happened?
4: That was no shot, Sheriff. The gun he stole from Hans Riker
7: blew up in his face. And so once again, after so long a time, I got out my tools and I worked on a gun. After you left me yesterday, I worked on it, Mr. Paladin, and into the night I worked and I created a floor. A floor that would make the gun blow up when it was shot.
4: Why didn't you tell me this morning, Mr. Riker, when I had breakfast with you?
7: Well, I did not think I should. You told me you did not wish me to give him the gun, and I fixed it because I feared for you. If Doby had killed you, then I would give him the gun.
4: So when Doby came into your place after I left, you thought he had killed me? Yeah,
7: I was afraid, and I gave him the gun, but he hit me anyway. He, he, he was very angry.
4: Mr. Riker, you saved my life. I thank
7: you. Ah, gratitude from the heart is more valuable than gold. Is that not so, my friend? Yes, Mr. Riker. That is so.
5: That's the first portion of Have Gun, Will Travel. More after these words.
0: More Hollywood 360 after these important messages.
5: Hi, this
10: is Sarah Knight-Adamson. I'm the national film critic for the website sarahsbackstagepass.com. I'm a member of the Broadcast Film Critics Association in L.A. and a voting member of the Critics' Choice Film Awards. Coming up next, you'll hear a film review of a movie that's playing near you. Murder on the Orient Express is rated PG-13. It's a mystery and suspense. It's based on the 1934 novel by Agatha Christie. While 13 strangers are stranded on the Orient Express train one person is murdered. The famous detective, Hercule Poirot, played by Kenneth Branagh, races against time to solve the mystery before the murderer strikes again. Let's take a listen.
4: Would you
11: mind if I
4: join you? You're the world-famous detective, Hercule Poirot. The Avenger of the innocent. Is that what they told you in the papers?
10: Poirot interrogates 12 passengers who are all suspects, then gathers them together to explain how he solved the case. Kenneth Branagh also directs the film. We have an all-star cast here. Johnny Depp, Michelle Pfeiffer, William Defoe, Pedelope Cruz, Leslie Odom Jr., Judy Dent, Daisy Ridley, and Josh Gad. Here's another clip.
11: The murderer is on the train with us now. And every one of you is a suspect. (laughs) So, let us catch a killer.
10: The bottom line, I'm in. Three stars out of four. Why, Hercule Poirot's enormous mustache steals the show. There's still plenty to enjoy. The recreation of the setting on the train, the film noir style, the breathtaking cinematography are all fantastic. A few characters have been changed from the book, but I still enjoyed it. Check out all of my reviews and interviews on Sarah'sBackstagePass.com. See you next week. And
0: now back to Hollywood 360 with Carl Amari.
5: Now back to Have Gun, Will Travel.
7: A uh, package come for you, Mr. Hmm. Oh, thank you. Hey, boy, I...
4: Hey, boy, what's the matter with you? You look terrible. Oh, you notice, huh? Notice? I'd have to be blind not to.
7: What happened? Oh, well, you, uh, you remember wedding I tell you about a long time ago when you could not attend?
4: Yes, I remember. Yes, a wedding happened. Well, what does that have to do with your condition now, hey, boy?
7: Oh, wedding was a Chinese, Mr. Paladin. Uh,
4: hey, boy, I know it was a Chinese wedding, but what has that to do with you now?
7: Oh, uh, oh. At a Chinese wedding, is much celebrating many people, many things
4: to eat, many things to drink. Oh, you needn't go on, eh, boy? I think I
7: understand. Oh, please, Mr. Paladin, not a laugh so loud. (laughs) Uh, Honorable head fall off. (laughs) (laughs) You take your package now.
4: Oh, yes, yes, of course. Uh, One moment before you go lie down, though, eh, boy. There may be an answer required.
7: Yes, Mr. Paladin. Oh, a beautiful gun, Mr. Paladin.
4: Yes, hey, boy, it's an exquisite gun. Oh, here, there's a note. My friend, these hands once again broke a vow and crafted a gun. The hands have not lost their touch. Please, you will accept this from a grateful old man. Signed, Hans Reicher.
7: Oh, very nice, Mr. Paladin. You send answer?
4: No, no, hey, boy. No answer. Have Gun, Will Travel. Created by Herb Meadow and Sam Rolfe is produced and directed by Norman MacDonald and stars John Daner as Paladin. Hey Boy is played by Ben Wright, who also appeared as Hans Riker. Tonight's story was written by Ray Kemper. Featured in the cast were Ralph Moody as the sheriff and Lawrence Dobkin as Dobie. Hugh Douglas speaking. Join us again next week for Have Gun, Will Travel.
5: That's Have Gun, Will Travel, from April 26, 1959, with a gunsmith starring John Daner also in the cast, Ben Wright, Virginia Gregg, Ralph Moody. He was always kind of moody, that guy. Kind of like you. You know? He was always kind of, eh. And then Larry Dobkin, with participating sponsors, has heard on CBS. Well you know what coming up in just a minute we're going to tune into my friend Irma but I had a really nice uh, email from someone who bought my book The Top 100 Classic Radio Shows which folks is available to you and I will personalize it and autograph it for you absolutely free. Uh the book is 29.99 plus 5.99 shipping and handling. You can go to our website hollywood360radio.com check it out. I'd love you to have a copy. Um someone uh sent me an email saying that they got the book. They really love it. They're listening to it. They're listening to the shows and reading. And what they do is they they open every day. They open up to a page, a double page spread. Right. Let's say it's um, the uh, the Jack Benny program. Right. And they read it, and they learn all about the Jack Benny Program, and then they go to the special website, and they digitally download the Jack Benny Program. Now, there's there's a 100 shows that we talk about in this book, the top 100 shows that were ever broadcast on radio, but there's 78 downloads. We don't have the rights to all of the shows, but we have the rights to 78 of the 100 shows. So when you get the book, you not only get... The 224 page coffee table book. There's also three CDs in it, which has six classic radio shows, but you can go to a special website and digitally download 78 half hour shows. So it's quite, I think it's great, great value, right? It's a big, big giant coffee table book and, uh, hundreds and hundreds of pictures. I was
6: through it right before Were I you? came here to the radio show. Yeah. And what a wealth of information and photos on each double page spread about each radio show. So yeah. you could spend hours and hours on each show, or you can just flip through at your leisure. It's really full of information and photos, and it's really easy to read. Yeah. You did a good job this time. And Carl. thanks
5: for buying a bunch of books for your friends and family, Lisa. I'm sorry I had to charge you three times what I charge anyone else. Yeah,
6: but it's worth it. Yeah. What's 100 bucks a book?
5: Right. It's only, yeah, I mean, you can it afford was worth it. it. You're a multimillionaire. Yeah, no problem. So it's no, no biggie so just for you. I'll be ordering more for so Christmas. Order but what some a more.
6: great holiday gift! It is. And I know that you'll personalize it if you choose to order it through the Hollywood 360 radio website. So that's the best way to do I'll it. Autograph
5: it, too. And you know, my my co-writer on this, Martin Grams, has been writing about classic radio for years. He's a tremendous writer. He did a great job. And uh, we collaborated for about six months on the book. And it's available wherever books are sold. It's also available at Amazon. But if you go to our website at Hollywood360radio.com, I will be happy to personalize and autograph it for you absolutely free, hollywood360radio.com. It's time now for one of the funniest radio shows of all time, My Friend Irma, Situation Comedy, set in Manhattan came to radio in 1947 lasted till 1954 it starred Marie Wilson as Irma Peterson she was a dim-witted blonde stenographer and her roommate Jane Stacy was played by Kathy Lewis and it was just a fun fun radio show and we have an episode for you now from March 15th 1948 this is called Buy or Sell here's Marie Wilson in part 1 of My Friend Irma
11: Lieber Brothers Company, makers of Swan, the soap with the exclusive super-creamed blend presents...
3: Our friend Swan. With my friend Irma.
11: Starring Mary Wilson as Irma and Kathy Lewis as Jane.
3: You know, it's tough enough to be the private secretary of an important investment broker with the stock market as it is today. And it's maddening enough to go from Wall Street home to West 73rd Street on that murderous subway. But that is comparative ecstasy to what greets me when I open the door to our apartment and see my beloved roommate, Irma Peterson, standing in the room with a bottle of whiskey in her hand, pouring it on the geraniums. (laughs) So I say, Irma, why would you pour whiskey on the geraniums? And Irma said...
2: Jane, the florist said flowers live longer if they're potted. (laughs) Normally,
3: a remark like that from Irma is enough to make someone not only go off the wagon, but throw themselves under it. (laughs) But that's Irma for you, and I love her. Jane, you seem worried. What's the matter? Oh, everything's been so hectic down at the office with Richard away.
2: Where'd he go, Jane? Oh, well, honey, he's gone to Nebraska on business. Oh. Uh, Jane, what shall we have for dinner tonight? A big, juicy steak or a can of
1: sardines?
2: (laughs) Uh, what do you think, Jane? Jane,
3: you're not listening to me, huh? Oh, I'm sorry, honey. I guess my mind was in Nebraska.
2: Well, at least you know where it is. My boss says I've lost mine. (laughs) Jane, why did Richard go to Nebraska? Well, honey,
3: he's an investment broker, and with the market the way it is, he wants to get some first-hand information on the availability of farm machinery, you know. Mm. You see, Nebraska is the center of the wheat belt, the wheat fields,
2: and the grain elevators. Oh, they keep the grain in elevators? No wonder the market keeps going up and down. (laughs) No, sweetie, it's, it's
3: not that kind of an elevator. Irma, you ought to know about grain. You were born on a farm
2: in Minnesota. Well, ours was a dairy farm. We just had cows. Jerseys and Holsteins and Guernseys I remember I always wanted my father to buy a Swiss cow Because I loved that cheese with the holes in it
3: (laughs) Yeah, honey You probably wanted to keep a cow in a small bungalow So you could have cottage cheese (laughs) (laughs) Hello? Long distance? Yes, yes, operator This is Jane
2: Stacy What? Nebraska calling? Thank you. Irma, it's Richard. He's calling me from Nebraska. Nebraska? Oh, gee, what a wonderful state. The home of the Idaho potato. (laughs) Irma, please. Uh, Hello, Richard.
3: Oh, yes, it's nice to hear your voice, too. What? Howard Teichman? Yeah, yeah, of course I know him. He's one of your best clients. He's on his yacht, anchored in Long Island Sound, and you can't reach him. Well, what do you want me to do? Will you please get off the line? No, no, not, not you, Richard. No, it, it's the other party on my line. They're always cutting in. We have a party line. Yeah. Now, now, what were you saying? You were what? Oh, lady, please. I'm talking long distance. I can't help it if your teeth fell down the drain.
1: <laughs>
3: I was on the phone first. Uh, just a second, Richard. I better write it down. Irma. Get a pencil, get a pencil and take this down, huh? All right, Jane. Go go ahead, Richard, go ahead. What's that? You'll call me back at 7 o'clock tonight to tell me whether Mr. Teichman is to buy or sell farm machinery. Yeah? Oh, yes, I know how important it is, Richard. Well, don't worry, dear. I'll get to him on his yacht if I have to swim out to him and back. Oh, I sure do. I certainly miss you. No, not you, lady. Oh, Richard, I'd better hang up. This party line's just driving me crazy. I'll be waiting for your call at 7. Bye. Oh, honestly, these party lines. I might as well try to carry on a conversation in Madison Square Garden. It is, it's really beyond endurance.
2: Irma, we've got to get a private line. Well, Al says it's very hard to get a new phone today. He says they won't give you one unless you're a bookie.
1: <laughs>
3: Al is ridiculous. There must be some way we can get a private line. Come in!
9: It's only me, Professor
1: Kropotkin.
3: <laughs> Hello,
9: Janie and Erma, my two little rabbits. One a little Easter bunny, the other a little bugs bunny. <laughs>
3: Why, Professor...
9: Excuse me, a little joke I thought of for the coming holidays. <laughs> Girls, do you mind if I use your telephone? Not at all. I would use the payphone downstairs, but Al has put so many slugs in it that I'm afraid when I lift up the receiver, a voice will say, This is your FBI.
3: <laughs> well, you're welcome to use ours, Professor, but we have a party line, so there's always somebody coming cutting in. Well,
9: I'll take a chance. <laughs> I'm calling my old friend, Eli.
2: Well, Professor, why aren't you asking Miss O'Reilly to put a phone in your room?
9: In my room it's impossible. No wall in the entire room is strong enough to hang the box on.
1: <laughs> oh,
9: hello, Eli. This is Kropotsky. Yes, your old friend from the Milwaukee Symphony. Uh, you're glad to hear from me. Well, it's always nice when old friends get to get Wait a minute, Eli. Lady, get off the phone. Can't you see we're talking? So tell me, Eli, how's everything with you? Huh? Uh, hold it. Lady, please, I'm trying to talk with my old friend. Go ahead, Eli. What, lady? Just a minute. You like my voice, lady? Eli, keep still. The lady is talking.
1: <laughs>
9: what, lady? Well, thank you. I like your voice, too. Eli, please get off the line.
1: <laughs> Go
9: ahead, lady. I think you hung up. Now, what are you saying? Tonight? I don't know. What time? Eli, is that you again? For goodness sakes, get off. This is not Eli. This is the lady's husband.
3: Sorry, wrong number.
1: <laughs>
9: Jenny, you're right. These party lines are terrible. Everybody's always butting in.
3: I know. What can I do about it? Rich is going to call me on an important business matter from Nebraska tonight at seven, and I'm just terrified that he won't be able to get through.
9: Well, girls, if you want to get your service changed, you've got to know somebody important.
1: Who do
2: you know? Well, I know Al.
1: <laughs>
9: Irma, darling, that will change the servers. Your, your telephone wires will be tapped. <laughs> <laughs>
2: well, then what can we do? Girls,
9: these are your own problems. Me, I've got my own problems with my income tax.
3: Yeah, living alone, you haven't any dependents. Uh, the
9: only dependent I got is my ceiling.
3: You put down your ceiling as a dependent?
9: Certainly. Whenever I'm in my room, I have to support it. <laughs>
3: <laughs>
1: Goodbye, girls.
3: Irma, I don't know what to do. Oh, you're worried, Jane, huh? Well, certainly I'm worried, honey. If our telephone is tied up tonight, when Richard tries to call me, he may lose one of his biggest clients. Oh, don't worry, Jane.
2: I- I'll take the receiver off the hook so nobody can use it. No, <laughs> no, Irma, no. Come in. Hello, Jane.
11: Hiya, chicken.
2: Hello, Al, honey. Gee, Al, are you growing a mustache?
11: Oh, no, no, this all comes from using the slug at the automat
2: what do you mean, Al?
11: Well, it was eating blackberry pie and could only get the slot half open.
2: <laughs> Chicken, I've been
11: trying to get you on the phone all day. Who you been talking to?
2: I wasn't talking, Al. We're on a party line, you know.
11: Oh, uh, I hate them party lines, Chicken. When I call you up on the phone and throw you a kiss, I want to know who's catching it. <laughs> Besides, I've been trying to get you all day to tell you about my latest deal.
3: Oh, that's the only time I'm glad the line was busy. What is your latest brainstorm, Al? Painting numbers on piano stools and selling them for roulette wheels?
11: (laughs) This is one Joe is backing. Must make a fortune.
2: What is it, Al, honey?
11: It's a man's suit designed to look like a pair of pajamas. So if the watchman catches you in a store after it's closed, you can tell him you walk in your sleep.
2: (laughs) Gee, Jane, isn't Al dynamite?
3: Yes, and someday someone's going to put a fuse under him and blow him right out of that unemployment line. (laughs) As much as I hate to miss this priceless dialogue, I'm going to go down to the telephone company and see if I can get a private line. Goodbye, kids.
2: Why does she want a private line? Well, our phone is always busy, and Jane is especially worried because tonight she's expecting an important business call from Richard in Nebraska. Well,
11: chicken, she ain't got a chance to get a private phone.
2: Why not, Al? Doesn't know the angles.
11: When you're dealing with a big corporation, you got to throw your weight around. Threaten them.
2: How, Al? Al?
11: Chicken, if you want to know how to deal with a telephone company, there's only one man who can help us.
2: Who else?
11: Who else but... Hello, Joe. <laughs> ah, got a problem. Irma's having a little trouble with her telephone. Understand you know a couple of collectors with a company. Yeah, you know those guys who go around taking the money out of the pay station. Huh? They don't work for the company, they work for you.
1: <laughs> well, then, uh...
11: Joe, uh, how did you get your phone? Uh-huh. Uh Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. You told him you were in business. Ventilating? What do you mean? Oh, you open second-story windows. Well, the, the business angle gives me a thought. Thanks for the lead, Joe. I'll take it from there. Come on, chicken. We're off to the telephone company.
12: Well, Miss Stacy, let me see. Now, your phone number is Hilltop 5829.
3: Yes, that's right.
12: Now, the telephone company understands your problem and would like to give you a private wire, but we're short of equipment. Oh, no. Of course, if it was an emergency, a case of illness...
3: Well, you see, I live with Irma Peterson. Oh, is
12: there anything wrong with Miss Peterson? You have no idea.
3: <laughs> I mean, uh, uh, well, she isn't quite right. I, I mean...
12: I know, I know. It's It's hard to talk about things like that. Sickness is something we must all bear at one time or another. Yes. Then
3: you'll try to help us, Mr. Ritterhoff?
12: Certainly. We'd be delighted to do anything that would get Miss Peterson back to normal.
3: Thank you, Mr. Ritterhoff. Goodbye.
1: Goodbye.
11: Well, Chicken, here we are. Telephone company. Let's go in. The man you have to see is Mr. Ritterhoff.
2: But, Al, I don't know what to tell him.
11: Oh, just tell him you're in business. But with people breaking in on your telephone line, the customers get mad and hang up. As a result, your business is dropping off. Got it? Uh, Got it. Let's have it back once just to play safe.
2: Uh, I'm in business hanging customers, but with people breaking the line, my customers drop off. Hold it,
11: (laughs) Just take your time. Come on. Yes,
12: folks, what can I do for you?
2: I'd like to have a private line. Mm -hmm. What's
12: your telephone number?
2: A Hilltop 5829.
12: Hilltop 5829. Are you by any chance Irma Peterson?
2: Yes, I'm Irma Peterson, and I'd like to have a private line right away, please.
12: Do you live with Miss Jane Stacy? Yes. Why? I thought you were sick.
2: That's ridiculous. I never felt better in my life.
12: Oh. Oh.
11: You see, Mr. Ritterhoff, Miss Peterson here is in business. I see. Uh, What kind of business? A uh, she's, um, she's a mannequin
2: That's right, I do impersonations you No, know <laughs> What's
11: going on here?
2: Mr. Ritterhoff, I may not weigh much, but I'd like to throw my weight around I beg-,
1: <laughs>
12: I beg your pardon?
2: Either you give us a private line or we take our business elsewhere
12: Well, miss, that's the way you want it The telephone company doesn't want to stand in the way of a great impersonator You may consider your telephone disconnected as of now the reason misrepresentation.
11: Good day.
2: Well, didn't I tell him?
11: Tell him, <laughs> chicken. They're taking the phone out. Now, how will Richard be able to talk to Jane at seven?
2: Well, I'm not a genius. I can't solve everybody's problems at once. Well, it's almost seven, and
3: I'm waiting here by the phone for Richard's call from Nebraska. Al and Irma are both here, and I don't like the way they're acting. Especially Irma. She has that same expression she had on her face the day she sold my leopard coat for a dollar because the man told her that leopards were often known to turn on their masters.
1: <laughs>
3: Irma? Uh,
2: yes, Jane? Oh, you're
3: acting very strangely. There's something wrong? Uh, no, Jane. Hmm.
2: Why are you so silent? Uh, well, you know, Jane, um, silence is golden. Yes. Yeah. And we want to save up so we can get married.
3: (laughs) Well, whatever the two of you are up to, when Richard calls, I don't want any talking. Don't worry. You won't hear a sound. Chicken. (laughs)
1: Uh,
11: Of course we'll be quiet, Jane. We realize how important this call is.
3: Yeah, just so you know, Al. Well, I guess I'll go in the bathroom and wash up. You call me, honey. if The phone rings.
2: Yeah, what shall we do? I, I wonder if they cut the phone off yet. Chicken,
11: don't use the word phone. Jane might hear. Refer to it as, uh, uh Louie. I'll know what you mean.
2: All right, Al. Uh, Al, will you lift Louie's head up and see if he's still alive?
1: <laughs>
11: Just what I intended to do, chicken.
3: Al! I told you to stay off the
11: phone. Uh, only be a second. Hello? What, Sam? You don't say. Oh, that's too bad. Goodbye. <laughs>
5: That's the first portion of My Friend Irma from 1948. More of Hollywood 360 after these words.
0: More Hollywood 360 after these important messages. Now back to the best in classic radio on Hollywood 360.
5: Next time, it's the conclusion to My Friend Irma from 1948. Then Orson Welles walks us through the Black Museum from 1952. That's next time here on Hollywood 360. We'll see you then.